We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. And all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Jordan Weehy, Director of Marketing at Jade Communications, an internet service and security provider in Colorado. Jordan's first job was an obesity prevention program in Denver, where he drew on his background in the sciences. But he found himself more interested in the marketing piece of the program and decided to get a master's in marketing. When his brother asked him for help promoting the family business, he joined him at Jade Communications. In just a few years, Jordan has made Jade Communications the internet service provider of choice for many customers in rural Colorado, despite having seven competitors. The company believes in putting the customer first by engaging in quote-unquote practical empathy, where they listen to the customer's problems and help them figure out solutions. Jordan believes that marketing needs to be part of the job of every employee, no matter the role. With COVID requiring so many people to start working remotely, and many continuing to do so, having reliable internet is important and invaluable when building a community. Jordan's views of seeing their service as part of the community building and making people's lives better is the key part of what makes Jade successful. Now, let's get better together. Jordan Weehy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. Uh, it's interesting. You you run marketing, director of marketing over at a company called Jade Communications. It's a broadband service provider in the great state of Colorado. We uh, we met through Calix, which uh, is a client of the place I work at now, Decision Council, and you're a customer of, of Calix. We were just about a month ago at this thing called Connections. I actually helped you with one, your presentation that went over just fantastically well. You did such a great job of that. And it's just, just such a fascinating story. And you're such a fascinating guy. I wanted to have you on the show and talk about the journey of building community-focused businesses that really matter. And we're going to talk all about that in a minute. But as I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Oh, man. Um, thank you, first of all, for the compliment. You you designed a really good debt for me. So you have to take some of the credit I'll, for how amazing that presentation is. I was. will, you know, of course I will. But again, it's only, I am the vessel for which it flows through. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, if, the, if it comes in garbage in, garbage will come out. So <laughs> clearly it was no garbage coming in. It was really- Chalk really well it up done. to teamwork. Talk yeah. about the teamwork. Top, teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. That's right. So, you know, it's kind of cool how I ended up at Jade. I never thought I would ever work here or be here. Um, my dad started the company 
in the early 1990s because he looked around and was like, how, how is rural America going to connect to the world of the future? How are they going to work from home? How are they going to game and stream? All those things before those were things. Do you know what I mean? Um, before everyone had a PS5 and a, and a, and a Discord channel. And uh, I actually was a scientist in a former life. I oh. can't believe that's a true story, but it wow. is. Wow, we got to dig into that a little bit. I right? know. I was a scientist in a former life. And so I have this, this huge background in like biochemistry, organic chemistry, and, um, and through a couple different decisions and a lot of pain, Jari, I ended up here working alongside my brother and he leads the operations. I lead the marketing and we're a internet service provider people actually like. I know. Crazy, huh? <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I have, I used to live in the city. I lived in Denver when I was doing my master's. And um, I remember just hating my internet service provider. I feel like they didn't care about me, that I was just another customer. And I, I feel like folks, especially during COVID, can relate to that if they lived in a city. But yeah. there are so many rural providers, Jade being one of them, that are changing the status quo, where internet may actually be better technologically in rural areas than in the city. And then the brands, the relationships, the, the NPS scores, all these different measurements are showing that rural providers are really turning up the heat on what people can expect from an internet company. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I live in San Francisco. My internet's horrible. <laughs> I'm yeah, like and you know the mayor too. Yeah, I know the mayor, right? Like, yeah, you have a direct line to the mayor. <laughs> so, Come but on. that doesn't mean anything because the legacy, <laughs> right? I mean, I remember I would walk down the street, my old neighborhood. I'd walk by the old AT and T, which used to be called Pack Bell Switch Room, which was this entire city block that had where all the phone lines would come in, and it's just the legacy of that's still the way they do stuff. Like fiber optic is like this. Oh my gosh, you got fiber up to your house. Like I'm in the middle of San Francisco. I should have gig up and down all yeah. day, all night. And no, I get this crappy internet, but then you go to the middle of nowhere and it's like, oh yeah, we got 10 gig up and down. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's, it's, I think the challenge that rural providers are really suffering from is that um, nobody knows. Right. Maybe if you live in that community your whole life or you have family connections, you might know, but for a long time, rural providers suffered from good branding, good marketing. Yeah. And nobody knew about the services they were offering because they didn't have the skill set in-house or couldn't afford an agency or whatever else the issue may be. Right. Right. Well, I find it curious because, you know, as I said, you know, Calix is one of our clients here at Decision Council and just found them to be just such wonderful people and incredibly bright and incredibly thoughtful. And I never knew, to your point, I never knew about this rural broadband, like how this all worked. And it's just eye-opening the amount of pride can, like in community building and really like the backbone of a lot of these communities is, I mean, especially during the pandemic, as you mentioned, didn't have internet. Like you couldn't really work. You couldn't like go to school as an example. So it's a very powerful thing. And, and I think a lot of folks that are just, you know, entrepreneurs that are in the tech scene, they, they kind of take a lot of this stuff for granted. And I'm curious, you know, what, what kind of like the feeling on the ground for what, where you guys are, the community you're in and changing that narrative and like building up this real sense of belonging and like service, because it seems to me a lot of people just like want to do right by where they live and help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. Um, in fact, that's one of our main motivations. Uh, we want to, whenever we open up a new community and we build internet for the first time to some of these areas, many of which are like in canyons or on mountainside edges, um, we we always tell the people who who live there our goal is to make your community a better place to live. If we if you want to have a relationship with us, we want to be there for you. We can help make dinner reservations. We can help you troubleshoot your Wi-Fi. It doesn't matter. We're there to help you. And at the same time, now that they have internet in that community, the economic value of the homes increase. There's new opportunities for economic development. There's now a chance for that city to become a, or that town to become a Zoom town. 
with, you know, work from home communities where people maybe want to ski and work for Apple, you know, at the same right. time. Right, right, right. And there's a lot of pride that goes into that. And I'm really, it's the coolest thing to be able to share that with my brother and my dad and our incredible team, uh, both on the construction side and in-house. Yeah, it just, there's something about it. And and we talked a little bit before we hit record about the kind of the blue collar work ethic and the, Mm -hmm. just the. What what we're sorely missing, you know, it, it, it seems. I mean, I I interviewed someone the other day that created a company to help local manufacturers like get capital and then build it up and then literally give it back to the employees. Um, and it was just such a fascinating thing because people kind of discount that, you know, local locally made where it used to be, you know, pride have pride in like oh we work at the factory whatever you know like whatever it was because literally got got decimated when everything was outsourced. And then you really find, oh, this whole supply chain thing, <laughs> the mess that yeah. it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like these poor communities are getting, you know, they, they need something. And it just seems like folks like what you guys are doing, I don't know. I, I like the whole thing about pride in the community because I think everything starts local and then expands from there. And okay. so how have you seen what you're doing in your community like, what are some of the things that really, um, like, are, are, I wouldn't say scalable, maybe that's the right word, but what are some of the things that you guys try to look for in how to help the community, how to message that, and how to really connect at a level that sometimes, you know, startups don't do, or entrepreneurs think is like a waste of time, which I don't, and I know you yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things there, Jari. I think first is... Um, most people have an aversion to their internet provider because they've had a bad experience somewhere else or they think everyone's all the same. And to be honest, that makes a logical sense. I told you about my horrible experience in Denver, you know, one of America's biggest cities. And um, maybe I shouldn't say biggest, maybe most eclectic cities. I don't know. Um, cool, cool city. So they think we're all the same. And um, the power is really in the storytelling. The technology has to be there. You know, we, we provide multi-gift service and we have Wi-Fi 6, but customers don't care about any of that if you're not telling a compelling story that they want to be a part of. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, especially a lot of technologists get it wrong, is they sell technology and they're not selling the story of really what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I always tell our support team, we call them Wi-Fi wizards, because uh, we want to make the, the interaction a little less intimidating, more fun, more natural. Um, I always say we're never selling internet. We're providing an opportunity to a better life. We're providing an opportunity for someone to work from home for the first time, or maybe to work for the first time because they've been unable to go to work. Um, they, a kid to be able to apply to college because he wasn't able to get mail in his application, you know, previously or submitted online or whatever. I think that's where the real value is and the stories that we tell that showcase how what we do makes lives better. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I like the fact you brought up the storytelling aspect because one of the things, the themes at Connections was it's not about the speeds and feeds anymore. It's about storytelling. And it just struck me because you're right. You know, I would say products commoditized, you know, you kind of win on the story you're telling in the service and the solutions and really that connection with the customer, which again, most startups get wrong, especially tech startups because they think, Oh, bright, new, shiny objects. It just sells itself. I mean, I used to be that way. Yeah. You know, full disclosure. (laughs) not anymore. Now I'm like, Tell a better story because, you know, products. Because you're going to lose. You're going to lose and you're going to yeah. lose hard, hardcore. And I know one of the reasons Calix likes to to use Jade as an example is because of your great storytelling, your, your high NPS scores. And it seems like really this caring and nurturing of the customer to make sure that the customer or the subscriber or whatever we want to call it is taken care of. Mm-hmm. And how do you instill that in your organization? Because 
well, you know, you can say that all day and all night and you can believe that, but rippling that down to the, like, ever, throughout the organization, I've found seems to be a huge challenge. And I'm just curious how you guys, I guess, like, took it on and, and solved it. Yeah, I think there are, I think there are three things there. As I think about it, I'll, say, I'll go through them real quick. So one is realizing that everyone on the team is a marketer. Whether they're a technician and they're going into a home to install service or they're a support person, they're going to provide a brand experience. It can be good or bad. And we all have to realize that we all like, we all work in marketing, whether we like it or not. Um, number two is culture. I think the, the leadership sets the tone for um, the type of company we want to be. And um, we don't always get it right. In fact, we probably get it more times wrong than we do get it right. But we we believe strongly and we create the ethos of um, that we're actually here to help people, not to take advantage of them or not to you know suck their cash out. And the third and probably the hardest is this idea of practical empathy. Um, so many people talk about empathy in business. In fact, that's been a, a major topic of conversation since the pandemic. But practical empathy, taking how you feel um, when connecting with a subscriber one step further to how you can actually help them is that big step that so few make. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I like, I really like Seth Godin's definition of practical empathy. He says, um, I don't know what you know. I don't see it the way you see it. And that's okay. I'm still here to help. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting definition. Cause I, so the thing that I always talk about is, you know, empathy is sort of that, okay, I internalize how you feel. Sometimes you're, you're there's paralysis with empathy. And I think you got to go from empathy to compassion because passion, compassion can lead to action. So yes. I think the practical empathy is like that, my compassion construct. But I like I like the way you put that because yes, I feel your pain, but this is how I'm gonna solve it. Or I can relate, but I'm not gonna get latched up and feel, you know, those, you know, you hear those people like, oh, I'm such an empath. And you're like, yeah, well, you're not, you just sit there and take it, like do something. You know, I'm always about do it, right? It's important to do it. So um, so yeah, practical empathy is really, I really think that's um what internet service providers have really been lacking is caring for the customer and, and finding their pain point, but then taking it one step further. instead of just, I feel bad for you, but actually solving the problem. Which is important because I think this, you know, customers hire, right. Us or subscribers hire you guys to solve the problem. And it's really not about you. It's about that. No. It's about all them. about them. Um, in fact, you know, I live in Colorado and I do a lot of outdoorsy things. Uh, like, you know, I climb mountains and I cycle and I ski. And I tell every new employee at Jay, it doesn't matter where they are. I said, we're the trail guide. Our job is to make sure the customer is equipped and has all of their materials that they need, whether it's hiking boots or a Wi-Fi switch router. And then we put our arm around them and we show them the way to the top of the mountain. And when we get there, we celebrate them. It's their yeah. success, not ours. Yeah, it's more like you're the, uh, they're the hero, you're the mentor helping helping the hero on their quest. Yes, ooh, <laughs> the hero's journey, yes. <laughs> well, I'm a big, big story guy, as most people know. So uh, for me, it really resonates telling stories because I think the best story wins. It always does. It always does. And it's just fascinating that not a lot of people understand that. Um, and I'm also, I'm very, I mean, it's really cool that Calix is sort of pushing the story driven narrative and making sure that they really hammer home that it's not just about the technology. It's not just about the speed. It's about service to the customer and I'm sorry, service to the subscriber and making sure that you tell a story about why you're in the community. And I think the thing that I found with these rural broadband service providers is just the, again, it's the, they care, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, wow, you actually give a shit about what happens as opposed to, 
you just want to make money, you know, and, and of course money, again, you got to make money. You got to be an ongoing concern, but the care comes through. The, con- the thoughtfulness comes through. Mm-hmm. And I like how you said about everyone is a marketer. I, th- I hope more people will understand that when they're training their staff. Because one of the examples is like the technician goes in to set up your, you know, like that have you, you're inviting someone into your home. This yeah, random person, stranger. you know, <laughs> yeah, stranger danger, yeah. stranger danger, right? That you know, you don't even know, and you're like, <laughs> get me internet. So, how do you train your line level folk that experience of going into someone's home and like, because th- this is the thing that I don't like about tech companies. You can't call anyone. They have a stupid little chat. It never works. They yeah. want, oh, email us. And we'll give you email support. And you just can't, like, it, it always feels like I'm abandoned. So I love it when a company is like, no, we're here to help you get on the phone. I mean, some people like to be on the phone or whatever, but the that service aspect, like, yeah, how do you train them? To, how do you train everyone at Jade to be a marketer? Yeah. Oof. How much time do we have? <laughs> That's all the time we need. This is a long-form <laughs> podcast, man. <laughs> um. You know, uh, it starts with getting our new employees bought into our story and why we exist. You know, it's what's ironic about why we exist is that we should have, Jade should not be a company today. Like we should have gotten blown off the map. Uh, though we're a rural service provider and most, most rural communities are lucky to have one or two internet options. Most of them have one because it's the only one that they have. Where we serve, we have seven competitors. Like we have more competitors than Nike. Wow. In the traditional sense, you know? Right. And so if we, if we, if we aren't doing something right, there's easy replacements. There's easy options. It's very easy for the customer to fire us. So it, it starts with getting people bought into why we exist and why we do what we do. And it's not just to provide internet. That's anyone can do that. Since other people could do that. It's about, um, putting our arm around the subscriber and showing them a better way, making them the Luke Skywalker to our Obi-Wan. There's your hero's analogy right there. Yeah, hero's journey. It. I love it. I love um, it. so we start with getting people bought into our story and our mission, specifically with, with new team members. And then we help them realize how we do things differently. You know, most service providers, as we've already discussed, do it this way. Well, we're gonna do the complete opposite other different way. You know what I mean? And then showing them how they can be successful, giving them the tools they need to be successful when they go on site. So we have standards, uh, like, like Jerry, when we come to your house, we're going to say your name at least three times Hmm. to make you feel like a human and not just another number. Right. When we go into your house, we're going to put booties on our, on our boots. So we don't track mud in or snow in, um, from the outside. We're going to make you feel like you're in the Ritz-Carlton level of customer service, level of care, but we're in your home. I mean, we'll do everything except let the dog out, you know? <laughs> and probably but, some people that they know probably would do that. <laughs> yeah, some people probably don't know what they do that. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is that because of how we do that operation, and I just gave you a few examples. We have customers calling us for dinner reservations. Interesting. Who calls your internet provider for one? A, no one wants to do that. But B, they're calling in and say, hey, I had a great time with Jordan. Where should I go to dinner tonight? I'm new to the area. Interesting. Interesting. And we're developing just this trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's really what it is. Um, And they can't wait till the technician comes back out just even to say hi. Amazing, because <laughs> isn't that isn't that crazy? Yeah, well, it's a little yeah. I mean, and and I think some people would say that doesn't scale, right? Of course, like these blah blah blah. But I disagree. I disagree. Um, and the reason I disagree is that if it's in the culture and the culture scales that way, then it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I Being mean, a good human scales. Yeah, and and I think that attitude. I mean, I always use the you know the Southwest example, which everyone hates to death because oh Southwest blah blah blah. You, oh, everyone uses the Southwest example. Well, 
they always use the customer service example. Mm-hmm. They always use the like, I love Southwest, I fly them all the time. They never use the example of how it got started. And the absolute, it n- almost never happened. And when I mean almost never happened, there was a lawsuit to prevent them from even flat making one flight because, wow. because the people in the area, these local things are like, we don't need another airline in Texas. Just imagine that you, you can't, you have all this lined up. Her, her Ketchler was a lawyer or whatever, you know, famous for chain smoking and whatever, drinking <laughs> wild Turkey, but, but he, before he even makes flies one dollar one in the hole, he has to go to the Texas Supreme court to fight for the right to fight for the right to even compete. Wow. And, and so everyone says, oh, yeah, they have great customer service. And they, but the, one of the reasons, to your point about the culture and his leadership is like he was fighting for his very existence before he even existed. Yeah. And that's that. Like if you can bottle that, which he did, you bottle that energy, you're unstoppable. Unstoppable. I mean, there's videos all the time of Southwest Airlines, like agents yeah. doing the pre, you know, flight yeah. spiel, but yeah. in like a really fun way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think it's the thing about culture that companies get wrong that don't think about it like you've thought about. It. So you've thought about it. Look, we're going to do it different. Yes, we've got a lot of competitors. We have seven. And they can literally on a drop of a hat move. So we have to get it to the next level. We have to take it to the next level. And we have to compete on experience. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that permeates through everything that you do, no matter what the scale is, matters. Because again, products democratize, best story wins. How are you going to tell a better story than your competitor? And it's super interesting that the lesson of, you know, rural broadband provider, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, however, I mean, you know, does it scale? Who knows? But the fundamentals for every company are the same. And I'm just fascinated by that. It was opened my eyes working with Calix and, and, you, and you about just how powerful that is. That a lot of people that have got way more money and are quote unquote, way more smarter. <laughs> don't understand. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> It's just, it's just fascinating. So, so tell us a little bit about like, you were a scientist, never yeah. in a million years would have guessed that no <laughs> knowing you like, like, really, that's pretty cool. So well, tell us about that. I know. I know. I had to go through a lot of, uh, a lot of therapy to work out, <laughs> work out the PTSD of the science world. Well, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I, when I, I remember being a senior in high school thinking, wow, college is going to be so fun. I can't wait to go to college. It'll be great. Everyone talks about how great college is. And I got to college and I signed up for a biochemistry degree. And it was the most miserable four years of my life. I did not go out once. Like I was studying Friday nights until like 11 p.m. I was in labs all the time, you know, like four hour lab exercises. Um, do you have any experience in science? I'm an engineer. I'm an electrical engineering degree. So oh, yeah. So you get I, it. So, I was yeah. you. You feel I, the pain. I, oh, I, I was there from <laughs> eight to five. It was a job for me. I, all of yeah. my liberal arts friends that would like roll in at 11 or 12, be like, oh my God, this jazz in America class. We've got a 10 page paper. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm thinking, I, know. I do a 10 page, I do a 25 page lab report every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the level of, yeah, intensity level of intensity between yeah. them. Yeah. It's yeah. just not even in the, so, but the good news is, I mean, it's a ho- obviously hard science, you know, and so. I was in Silicon Valley, so clearly get a job in Silicon Valley. But yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah. So um, I wasn't quite in Silicon Valley. I was I was in Denver, and um, that was that was an experience. But it, it led me to marketing, kind of a weird way. So my first job, once I graduated my degree, is I was working for a um, uh, obesity prevention program, and Colorado specific, one of the healthiest states when it comes to obesity prevention which is true in adults, but in terms of like our youth, we have one of the highest rates of youth obesity in all of the United States, which is kind of shocking, right? Like healthy adults, not so healthy kids. And um, when I got to this program, it was really, it was multi-million dollar obesity prevention program. I helped open like three offices and expand the program. 
I realized that I wasn't into the science as much as I was into telling the stories of the lives we changed. Wow, yeah. And that's when it clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So then I, you know, went and got a marketing master's degree. So you have a degree in biochemistry. Uh Uh-huh. And a master's in marketing. Yeah. Kind of an interesting combination, huh? Yeah. Well, I have a degree in electrical engineering and an MBA too. So it's just funny. My my journey to MBA was different, but similar. I I didn't find the storytelling gene till later on, Uh but the management, the marketing, the like business side, I was at a company engineer designing chips, the marketing guy, guy named Keith. Keith. (laughs) Keith. (laughs) And we'd be sitting in a room and we'd be like doing all this stuff. And he would just be spouting off marketing mumbo jumbo buzzword bingo. And he would just like be whip sign me back and forth on what they needed for this chip and this feature. And I'm just like, can't you guys make a decision? And they're like, (laughs) look, I'm in marketing, right? I got it. You know, I, it's 50 50, right? Or whatever. I don't remember what it was. And I just got so frustrated with all this buzzword bingo there and all the bullshit, right? Yeah, I said, yeah. I'm going to go to get my MBA and I'm going to be able to talk to these knuckleheads. <laughs> so that's what I did. Wow. <laughs> and it was crazy because it's dangerous given an engineer in marketing, marketing an MBA because now we're yeah. pushed back, you know? But it's just fascinating that uh, you just found that the, just found the, the, the sort of, You just sort of land in the, oh, hey, this is important what we're doing, mm-hmm. but it's also important to tell people what we're doing. You know, and that's how I ended up at Jade, believe it or not. So mm-hmm. my brother, Josh, brilliant, brilliant operator, brilliant technician. He was he came back to Jade before I did. So he's been here six years. I just had my three-year anniversary. And they were building this amazing network. And he called me one day and he goes, Jordan, we're doing something really cool but nobody knows about it. What, what do we do? And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what you do. <laughs> I don't know. what you. I don't know. <laughs> Rural service provider. I'm living in Denver. I have no idea. Right. And after a couple of conversations that it evolved enough, but they were like, maybe we bring marketing in house. Cause they had, you know, Jade at that time had some external, external partners. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up here. Wow. You ever thought you'd work for your dad and your brother? No, I never did. But the coolest thing about being in a family business is it's sort of like a shot of espresso. It's really, really energizing. And it just gets you going on your day. And then there are other days where it's a little bitter. (laughs) You know, it goes down the wrong pipe. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I could. I don't know if I could ever work with my dad. I never thought about that. That'd, that'd be pretty weird. That'd be a little weird, I think. But I've seen lots of founders, entrepreneurs, you know, husband and wife teams. I've seen that. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I mean, I with, I with Jane, my late wife, we we worked together at her on her business, so I could see it. But that was because we sort of had to. I don't know if I would have chosen that per se, but yeah, it's a definitely a different dynamic, and I think. From an entrepreneurial point of view, good and bad, as you mentioned, but uh, it must feel good to like know that you're working on something great and that your family is helping the community and like you're, you know, you guys get along and everything like that. I'm sure there's days where, like you said, it's bitter, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are days, but the thing is, is that Josh and I both, um, at the end of the day, we realized that the best idea should win. Mm not the best person or the biggest ego. Mm. So sometimes that means I lose because my ideas is not there. It's not fully baked. And there are other times when um, he has a crazy idea and I'm like, no, we're not doing it. That's crazy. And, but it forces us to really iron out the edges, and sharpens our, our skill sets and our abilities as leaders, but make sure that we're doing the right thing for our customers and for our people. How do you, how do you resolve those sort of conflicts when they come up? Um, well, and normally is we live across the town from each other, maybe a five minute drive. It's normally, Hey, come over for a scotch or a glass of wine and let's iron it out. Okay. Okay. 
cool. let's work it out. Because cool. normally during the workday, we don't see each other. I mean, our oh, okay. offices are across the across the business, and we have so many marketing objectives. And he is does a lot of network design and network building that we don't really cross paths unless we have a, a joint thing going to market. Mm. Like we just um, about a year ago, we just launched um, Jade Security. Mm-hmm. So Wi-Fi connected cameras that we manage on behalf of the subscriber and makes their life so much easier and they love it. Um, that was one that we were working hand in hand because we had to make sure the tech and the marketing pieces were aligned. Right, right, right. That was what your presentation was about. It was, yeah. It was pretty you cool. Both the deck. Yeah, I know. I, well, but no, but what was interesting about that was I think it was taking an existing service and then taking Calyx has the, like the, I don't know, the piping or the technology behind it, but then allowing Jay to offer that as a service to customers and manage that whole experience so that it is way more, it's way easier to have someone install those cameras than, you know, you doing it yourself, right? So, I mean, even if you're technical, which, you know, there's people that do that, but just the peace of mind, which is a huge value in all of this stuff, the peace of mind that someone's making sure it's okay, right? I think a lot of startups don't have that mentality of, bringing it back down to what's this solution doing for the customer or in your case, the subscriber, but also like how, how, how using it matters. The experience, like you said, you know, your, your technicians put booties on, they're like, you know, there's thoughtful, right. As opposed to, well, just pay us the money because you need our tool. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, what's one of the, one of the interesting trends about let's idea of like a managed service mm-hmm. is, uh, and we see this in marketing across the board, is that consumers, doesn't matter if they're subscribers or customers, consumers are moving from like this idea of surprise and delight, right? That used to be very popular in marketing is surprise me, delight me to minimize my mental energy. I don't want to climb on a ladder. I don't want to have to go on a website and search out how many cameras I need. Someone do the research for me. My life is too busy. And the companies that make that jump, and we're still learning how to do that well and scale it, um, will be more successful than the ones that aren't. Yeah. Well, I mean, but your your NPS score for Jade Security is 100, right? It's 100. 100. Yeah. You're doing something right. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> wild? I, I mean, that's insane. Because the traditional... NPS scores, as everyone knows, that loves their cable service provider, or no, they don't, is negative. No. It's like negative eight. <laughs> yeah, it's negative eight. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's funny because that level of, and it's not, you know what's interesting? It's not hard to do. Like, yes, it's hard to pull it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, but you just had a thoughtful moment of how is this going to help people? Like yeah. you changed it around to how are we going to make money off it? No, no. How are we going to help them succeed in something that they want to do? And I think it was your quote about security is the most sticky thing because I think it was an average of like what seven years for a security contract, and the average person lives seven and a half years in a in a place. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. Great yes. memory. Well, but 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 I think the, that's what struck me because it's like, oh, if you want to get that relationship and make it sticky, you, they need to trust you. And trust is a big, big deal. How do you do that trust? And I think this applies to every single entrepreneur, every single startup, especially those trying to do stuff, right? How am I going to get the customer to trust me that my solution is going to help them? And that's hard. That's mm. that's that's easy and hard in the same way. So, you know, how, how did you guys go about just that whole, how did you, that's a, that's a hard mentality to get right. Yeah, it's it's so hard. And I think we get it wrong a lot. You know, we learn from our mistakes quite a bit. And I that's the nice thing about being in a small organization is we're a little bit more agile and can, you know, pick up on some of those those things. Um, but I think it really begins with acknowledging with the customer that you're there for them. You know, we did the research for you. We're gonna install it for you. How do you want it? And we're we're consultants, we're not salespeople. Interesting. More and so when our technicians go on site, they'll walk around the property and with the subscriber right next to them and say, okay, what are your concerns with your home? 
What areas would you like to see that you don't have eyes and ears around? Maybe you want a floodlight here because it's a big open area and you want to make sure that in the nighttime you get good footage. You know, we have a lot of subscribers who have like log cabins and there's like moose, you know, <laughs> so they get like the magic Colorado wildlife on their video, <laughs> on their security feeds. It's like, uh, yeah, America's next, yeah. What, America's funniest home videos, Colorado style. Colorado style, <laughs> adventure style. Adventure you know, style. But, but Jari, this, this happens. And when I think about customer mental energy, I think about an example, like from last night, this happened to me last night. So I get a, I get a Black Friday email, you know, from, I think it was from um, Saucony. They're a running company. I, I run in their mm -hmm. shoes and they're like, Hey, big, big deal, you know, buy my shoes. So I was like, great. So I go to check it out and I'm in bed and, you know, I'm kind of like scrolling. Right. And I, and I go to check out, guess what? My, uh, my credit card is on the other side of the house. And they didn't remember my credit card from my last purchase. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just didn't buy the shoes. Mm -hmm. The mental energy of like getting out of bed and walking across the house, <laughs> you know, turning on lights doesn't seem like that much. But to me, it felt like a lot at 1030. And they missed out on an opportunity. Yes, the friction. It's, there's, it's interesting because it's reducing the friction for things like that. But then on the converse side, you need to know when to add friction to make it more, not just, hey, we're just going to get you through this. Like your example about your technicians walking around the house, that would never happen <laughs> with my neighborhood. They'd be like, here's your internet, you know, go yeah. away. Yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not, you know, it's like not <laughs> consult the consultative part of it is not baked in. But you're right. Like what friction, that's a very good way to put it. What friction do I need to eliminate to make this more enjoyable or make this more easy? Yeah, every business should think of that. And then I think conversely, what's the friction that I have to add? And them walking around a house is friction for you. My yeah. guess is, you know, that's another half hour of your tech not going somewhere else, right? Yeah, it's a real challenge that we have to either slow down and do jobs well or rush through them as fast as we can. Um, and that's a real balance of the scaling of the business, but also the deepening of relationships. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what the return on that is. Have you guys ever like thought about the return on practical empathy? The financial <laughs> return? Yeah. I can tell you, there's a hundred percent MPS score. <laughs> <laughs> well, but there's that proves that I mean MPS scores also correlate to revenue too. So I'm, I'm well, assuming I will. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Here's what we do now. So when we start making serious changes around the company and our culture and really baking in practical empathy into every support role, that was about two years ago. Um, since that time, we have doubled 100% increase our average revenue per user. Wow. So it wasn't that um, customers didn't want to didn't want to pay us, right? The, for the services we were providing. It was that because we demonstrated that we were good partners, they could trust us with more. Interesting. Trust you with more. So it really is giving them the opportunity to pay you more because they trust you. Yeah. Yeah. And this happens. I mean, I, I this happens to me with like sporting companies. Like if I, if I have a good shoe experience, um, I'll probably buy the, the track singlet, you know? Yeah. No, no, I know. I mean, you're a, you're a duathlete, so you must burn through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I burn a lot of calories and I burn <laughs> a lot of, uh, go through a lot of shoes. Right. Cause you're what duathlons running and biking, right? Yeah. It's running and cycling. Okay. And, uh, the, the, the sport is, um, a run first, um, cycle in the middle and then a run again. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's kind of like a triathlon and some say it's harder than triathlon because running before and after cycling is, is running, tough. I was a triathlete, did an Ironman. Did you really? I did a long time ago. Um, was a Let's lot do skinnier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was a lot skinnier then, honestly. Um, but I remember getting off the bike. I mean, I trained for this bro for, for a year, getting off the bike and like my legs will not move. <laughs> they feel like lead. Like I yeah. cannot, like I can't, cause the biking muscles are different. So no one, that, if you've never done this, 
it feels so weird to then run after you've biked for seven hours or something. So, yeah. But in a weird way, it's sort of like being an internet service provider, <laughs> you know? Well, how so Jordan? Because <laughs> <laughs> some days you just get knocked down, you know, you're on that bike and then you still have to run the next day. Yeah, exactly. How come you never, <laughs> how come you never did triathlons? Well, you know, I, I do do a triathlon here and there, but because of where I live, it's such a remote mountain town. We don't, I don't have good access to a pool, hmm. a good training pool. Like we have hot springs, yeah. but it's hard to do lap swimming in a, in a hot springs. Yeah. I would see that would be pretty bad. <laughs> you yeah, you need to make up your, your new one, right? It's yeah. like, <laughs> we're going to soak. Then we're going to run. Then we're going to bike. Then we're going to soak again. Soak <laughs> and then we're going to bike again. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know duathlon was run, bike, run. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was only run, bike. Or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Kind of different. Definitely. So thanks so much for being on the show, Jordan. This is just so fascinating. I always love hearing different perspectives on different types of businesses. You know, there's all sorts of entrepreneurs in the world and we tend to focus on the Silicon Valley E ones or the tech ones, which you guys have a tech component. Don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. you know, when your tech is commoditized to the point where you got to compete on experience what you guys are doing just makes a ton of sense. So thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. And I love this podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, I can't get enough of this show. It's great. Thanks, Jordan, for being on the show. It was awesome to meet you in person in Las Vegas at uh, Calix Connections. So looking forward to seeing you there next year. Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights from my awesome interview with Jordan. Instead of looking at business as selling a product or service, change the way you talk about it through the lens of empathy. What is the customer struggle and how can you help? I really like this idea. You know, I mean, empathy for me is the the transition point. I go from empathy to compassion because, of course, compassion takes you into action. But I think every entrepreneur, every business should think of their solution, their service, whatever they're doing, their products is helping to solve a customer problem or a struggle or, you know, what work is being performed on this. Not just, you know, hey, here's a product. It's great. You know, in the in the BSP world, it's not just speeds and feeds, as they say. It's more than that. It's the uh, entire package. It's the experience. So when you are building your product, ask yourself, what problem am I solving for the customer? How can I understand their challenges and issues? How can I meet them where they are? And how can I show some empathy and then some compassion so I can take action to help them solve their problem? Consider everyone in your business as part of marketing, no matter their role, and give them the support and tools they need to be good representatives of the company, whether it's how they talk to customers or what they do when they're at their homes. And this was a really good example. And what he meant by what I mean by at their homes is, If you're a technician installing internet in someone's home, I mean, you walk into their home, right? It's a pretty intimate thing, even though it doesn't seem that way. But I mean, you're in someone's like place that they live. So um, having that extra kind and consideration, I think Jordan mentioned, they put booties on so they don't get mud in. I mean, there's all these little, little things which don't seem like much, but add up. So in your business, even if it's a SaaS company or brick and mortar or your startup is building something, what are these you know, things that every single employee can do to help promote the brand? And I really like this idea that everyone's in marketing, just like I always think everyone's in sales, <laughs> because you know, if an interaction with a with one of your employees, one of your team is positive, they're gonna people are gonna remember that. And Mostly marketing, best marketing is word of mouth marketing, on the ground marketing, you know, interaction. So um doesn't scale well, but boy, um, over time it compounds. So think about that. Let the best idea win. Jordan explains that when he and his brother have different ideas, they try to hash it out and recognize who has the best idea, putting aside ego for the sake of the business. This is probably a hard one to do. I know. I sometimes have a hard time with this, full disclosure, because obviously we all think our ideas are great, and a lot of them are. But I think you have to have that perspective of really trying to figure out what's best for the business, what's best for the company, the stakeholders, the employees, um, because you know business 
startups are a multidimensional thing. It's not just one thing you need to maximize because if you do maximize one thing too much, the other things will suffer. And I like this idea about, you know, putting the ego aside and having the best idea win. Uh, sometimes hard to do, <laughs> but you know what? If you try, you know, eventually you'll get it right. So there you have it. The actionable insights from my awesome interview with Jordan. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.